Hey family, welcome back to Love and Grit. Hopefully you know us by now, but just in case, my name is Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. Today's episode centers around two dope women making monumental impacts, both combining arts and education. Super sister Kimberly McGlawn combines her powers of activism, advocacy, and education to form sustainable clothing line and store Grant Boulevard. Wonder Woman Diamond Whipper Young uses her powers of renowned visual artistry to not only educate students on creative expression and careers in the creative economy, she also holds a world record. Yep, told you they were dope, so let's start the show. But first, a round of Philly Faves. You ready for this one? It's Women's History Month, so Mm -hmm. we're going to do Favorite Female Philly History maker. Ooh, that's a mouthful. Who going first? Me. Go, Rachel. It's Go. now a tradition because you guys usually put me on the spot, but now I'm ready. Give it. I'm going to say Dawn Staley. At one point, she was the women's head basketball coach at Temple. She attended Temple University, played at Temple, and she also attended Dobbins High School. Yeah. Yeah. So she is a Philadelphian that we are giving a shout out to. Yes. I'll go next. Mine is Gay. Ann Dorsey. She spent the last 20 years before David Bowie died as his bassist. She's like a phenomenal bass guitarist known around the world. And she's a beautiful Black woman from Philadelphia who really loves Philadelphia and her roots. And it's just amazing that we have women like this who are really blazing trails with Philadelphia inside and as a part of them. Yeah. I'm going to keep it with the music then, Justin. Everybody is talking about this movie made about her life right now. Billie Holiday. Let us not forget she was a Philadelphian. She, one of the the leaders in blues, she, our lady who sang the blues, and if you want to catch up on her life again, Audra Day is doing an amazing job. Catch that on Amazon. And big ups to Billie Holiday because there are plaques all around South Philly that actually tell you where she lived and how she moved around. So there's a lot of amazing Philadelphia women. Yeah. Not You're two of them. Oh, shut, shut up, Justin. Justin, oh. I didn't know you were going to say that. It's true, but thank you. <laughs> Let's start the show. Our first guest is not only an educator, but also owns a boutique that doubles as a sustainable fashion movement. Grant Boulevard is a testament to all of the wisdom she gained while living in her childhood home of Milwaukee, where she watched her mother spend time giving emotional support to female inmates and her father working as a food activist. Power to the people. All right. What impact has that had on forming her business and the way she educates? And what made her choose Philadelphia as her home? Kimberly McClellan, everybody. And a councilwoman, am I correct? And a councilwoman, yeah, I just got yes. One of the things we're working on is, you know, figuring out what we're going to do with our police and the culture of policing. So I'm going to chair the new police commission. There's some interesting things on the horizon. How do you do all this in a day? That's what I want to know, please. I am busy and I do think it is about time management. I think about more than anything, it's about being present. You know, one thing I've learned in the last few years is, is like when I show up in a room, I'm in that room and I'm nowhere else. And when I leave that room, I'm gone. That's the only way I can make it work. I know that's right. So what do you think is like one of the biggest challenges as a business owner and especially with everything we've been going through with the pandemic and race relations and just being a business woman of color? 
I think for me, it's the things I'm interested in and things I'm interested in using business as a platform to do are they're heavy things. You know, talking about the state of the planet is heavy and talking about the state of our criminal system is heavy. So trying to figure out how to make that kind of sexy and fun and accessible for folks and in a diverse set of folks. Right. Like I want queer people to come to Grand Boulevard and find something. And I want black folk and poor folk and Jewish folk and really money people to all feel like something that we're saying is speaks in a language that they can understand. And so from the perspective of just like the business strategy around that, it takes a lot of intentionality. And, and that's that's one thing I'm navigating is like using all my words and trying to make them feel soft and hard when I need to make them soft and hard. And that is just a little bit of the chat. It's a beautiful challenge. I'm all the way here for it. Yeah. <laughs> See, I love everything that you just said, and it speaks to even some of the products that you have. Like, I know you have that really cute fanny pad and tote bag um, disruptor, and that is definitely what you are. But mm. tell our listeners, what does that mean to you being a disruptor? To me, that means leaning into where we see sorrow because we feel it because it seems personal and then figuring out where we feel joy and we feel a sense of passion and life and figuring out how to live at that intersection and to create change based on how our experiences tell us that we can uniquely show up. And I think it's about really stepping ever more into just a a lane that may not be traveled before, may not be one that you know, but one that you know needs to exist and be unafraid of building it. And that's what to me is disruption is. It's like being ever ready to like stand on a new front line and push a conversation forward. You also have a new podcast. Is that correct? I do, Rachel. It's called The School for Disruptors. Competition. (laughs) No, No, it's not. It's like, you know, I think ultimately people need a place where they can come and learn how to become change agents and how to self actualize. And that's what I'm interested in. And like, you know, sharing my journey of both of those things. But I also think people who are in Philly need to know where to go to do what's cool and fresh and new in Philly. And so I think this is like collaboration. This is like, there's a moment where we need to really settle into showing up for businesses and understanding what's happening in the art world. And that's what y'all bring, you know, where to, where to fall back and chill. And we need to restore ourselves in that way. But there's another lane where we need to figure out how to just show up and how to step into ourselves. And that's the conversation that we're having over there. So it's like, it's not competition. It's like, it's a ping pong. It's the alley-oop. It's a team. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's the alley-oop. It's like, here, you did that work. Now go treat yourself. Because meanwhile, I'm sitting here thinking like, all right, well, shoot. So what would be an example of that? That you think that a place where people need to look into showing up? You know, it's so personal. Like where Justin needs to show up is different from where you need to show up. That's true. Because ultimately, like change agency is about being able to talk to people in the language they understand because you know it. You know what? It's frustrating when people try to show up in places where they don't they don't know the language. They don't know the culture. They don't know the history. Talk about it. They don't know the hurt. We talk about identity, disruption, success, failure, strategy. And then sometimes we, we have these segments where we bring in folks who are disruptors and we ask them to talk about, you know, in your space, in your sector, how have you disrupted? What made you think that that was a place you wanted to show up and how does that look in the work that you do? And so it's like modeling and unpacking and understanding. And it's a lot of listening. It's a lot of like just honest conversation about things that we've been told not to talk about, quite frankly. Hmm. What are those things? Why do you think it's important to talk about them now? Oh, 
look, Justin. All right, come through. Um, I'm I, listening. Yes, 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 yes. I think those things are like identity. So I'll give you an example. I identify as a queer woman. I've identified in that way for a long time, but it's a new point of language for me because I never wanted to be marginalized in yet another way. Like I grew up Muslim. My parents converted to Islam when I was six. So like that was marginalization. My parents took me to black bookstores. And so I knew I was black and I knew I was female and that's marginalization. I've been the same size since eighth grade. So like there's a sense of like people making judgments about bodies and what it means to be black and a woman in a body. And then for me to have loved men and to have loved women and to, you know, to really sometimes want to move in the world in a way that feels hard and masculine, that's a comfortable space for me. But having language for that is something that I'm just discovering. And so talking about identity is something that I think that we all have a number of identities at the same time. I was married. I've been divorced. I'm a mother, you know, like all these different roles. And I think that For me, discovering ever more crisp ways of figuring out how to air that out, it actually creates a lot more space for me to see other people's identities with a lot more compassion and clarity and just space. But I think that that's new. I think that's new for all of us. It is new. It's a lot of of reprogramming. You said you didn't know the language. There wasn't language. A lot of things, and we have to acknowledge that in this present time, that look, there is language being created every single second of the day that wasn't here 10, 15 years ago. You didn't know to call yourself a queer woman because queer was defined differently 20 years ago. And to your point, like you like talking about our pronouns, she, you know, like that's a new set of language. So for me, that's a big part of figuring out where my new front line will be and teaching from the perspective of a podcast, which is what y'all do. Mm-hmm. You know, teaching from that space is just another way for me to be a teacher. So y'all know I come from this world of teaching for a lot. I've been teaching for now almost 20 years. And so I'm just finding that there are so many different stages and classrooms from which I can bring people into conversation. And that's what I'm really having a lot of fun exploring in fashion um, is one of them. Leading the police commission is one of them. You know, Shoot. the podcast is just another. Speaking of words, can you break down sustainable? Because I also think that sometimes people use that language and aren't really sure about what it means in 2021. That's a great point. I love that. That is such a great point. And they don't know. And, and I think we're going to move into a new era where they're not supposed to know because companies that have the means to not be fully transparent are going to lean into the ignorance that we as consumers have been intentionally pushed in to avoid really actually even disclosing what they mean by sustainable. Yeah, at Grant Boulevard, what does it mean? Yeah, no, for us, it means thinking about fashion design from a space of being really, I use this word intentional a lot because I think that's what's missing from so much of our decision-making and leadership is intentionality. But it's about like, you know, thinking about how are we sourcing fabrics? Are we using fabrics that already exist so we're not creating new waste? We do. That's our line that we call GB0. It's zero waste. We're taking menswear, sometimes changing the lines up in ways that makes it non-binary, sometimes not moving stuff around very much at all. Explain that because you're saying you're using fabrics that you don't have to make. But where are they coming from? Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, as a country, and we've exported this, like so much of American culture, that we consume more than we need, we buy more than we need, we store more than we can use. And we saw that in the proliferation of these, like, storage units, right? Where it was like, we have more things than we can keep in our houses, but we need to keep those things for whatever reason. And Hmm. so one of those things is textiles, right? So we, our bodies change. I mean, that's one reason we get rid of things. Sometimes we, we think we buy something on an impulse and then we decide we don't need it. So we end up spending literally millions of tons of textile waste to landfills. And large companies are are ever more guilty of this kind of voracious habit of consumption because they overproduce. Mm So we use fashion to figure out how do we reduce textile waste? That's one thing we care about. The other thing we think about that makes us sustainable is that, you know, we think about if we're going to use other fabrics, are they organic? 
had they been produced using some technology that's ever more mindful of water usage and fertilizer usage and pesticide usage, are we going to use fabric that is, that's an overage for another company that would otherwise be sent to a landfill or incinerator, but we're going to slow down that chain. And hopefully our, we know we produce things that are so beautiful that people don't want to throw away our garments. They want to love on them for forever. And the design should transcend an era, right? Like it should be right. just timelessly fresh. And if we can achieve that, then I think we can set a new standard for what should be happening in fashion. And that's certainly what we aspire to. You can get a whole new outfit from us for 150 and you can know that one was sustainably sourced. Two, it was produced in Philadelphia. And three, it employed a woman who's getting paid a living wage according to Pennsylvania standards. So, I mean. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Okay, so listen, you got a lot of facets to the wonderfulness and the super duperness of of Kim. So, I got to ask you, too, about the work that you're doing with prisons. Can we talk? Yeah. The problem is that folks end up in cycles of criminality because they were went to schools that were under-resourced. They move into neighborhoods that where there are not enough local jobs that pay fair wage. They don't have a a diversity of stories of how to be successful outside of, you know, a couple of different lanes that have been oftentimes deemed criminal or that require some kind of self-exploitation. And so I was just like, well, maybe maybe I could figure out a way to create jobs. So Grand Boulevard, the fashion bit came second. And, and I discovered later, based on the way I assembled a team, that I was cooking with some sauce in terms of like my team development. But really, it was just like, how do I figure out how to give folks a chance at a fair wage job, knowing that I don't have a whole lot of that built in bias about criminality and convictions? because I'm from the north side of Milwaukee, which has the highest population density of formerly incarcerated people in America. We've all, so many of us have transgressed. So many of us have broken the law in one way or another. So many of us have loved someone who's broken the law. We gotta work on challenging those biases. You know, 95% of people who are sent to prison come home. What's to come of them? What's to come of our neighborhoods if we don't think differently about what the approach is gonna be? What are three things that you think Philadelphians should be looking to know about, should be conscious of? One thing that comes to the top of my mind, and I, and this is very much so because of just the intersection of my roles and how I'm like moving through the world. I hope Philadelphians remember that the beauty of our city is really rooted in all of the flavor we get from our local makers, our local ro- restaurateurs, you know, our florists. And if we don't really get intentional about finding those folks and supporting those folks, the very landscape of what we love so much about walking down the street, about having an easy Saturday and Sunday and, you know, the brunching situation, all that's going to die. And it's going to be replaced by big companies that really have no flavor. We're talking, I'm talking straight vanilla. Okay. (laughs) Without the bean. Without the bean. And so I really hope that Philadelphians embrace when we do, when there is some disposable income, which I know is something that we all have to be ever more mindful of, that we really love up on local makers, local businesses. And I just can't say that enough. I hope more and more Philadelphians, number two, really keep things super local. So walk to your local businesses. And if the weather is nice, get that exercise, take a little bit of a longer walk, find something new, try to keep things super local. And if you're in West Philly, in Powelton Village, come say hello, I would love to meet you. The third thing I hope Philadelphians do is I hope as we wrap up another school year, and this is my teacher hat, I hope you are able to send an email or send in a little sweet pre-packaged something to the people who are loving on your children because this teaching gig that we got these teachers doing without vaccinations in two and three rooms at the same time with all these babies who have all this trauma, 
is seriously challenging. And I think the one small act of kindness we can do is to love on those teachers. So that's the third thing I hope Philadelphians do. Appreciate, we appreciate you. Please tell everybody where to follow you on IG. Yes, at Grant Boulevard, that's G-R-A-N-T-B-L-B-D. And you can shop us online at our website 24 seven at www.grantboulevard.com. And if you're looking for a little bit of extra kind of support in figuring out how you can be a change agent and a disruptor, check out our new podcast. We're working on season two, The School for Disruptors. Okay, Purr's new fire potato chips and cheese curls, they are spicy. Whew, they're hottest snacks yet, hold on. Whew, but you know, it's not just heat. There's some nice sweet and savory stuff going on too. Ooh, there's that heat again. It burns, but it burns so tasty. Ooh, that's hot. Find Hearst Fire Snacks at your store today. Whew, taste the flavor, feel the heat, break out the Hearst. Diamond Whipper Young has been shining ever since she decided to use Temple as the platform to showcase her artwork, where she graduated with a degree in advertising. Diamond has been working hard in Philadelphia's art scene, and big brands have been taking notice. Crayola and the Franklin Institute were so impressed with Diamond's mission that they chose her to be the one to break the record for the world's largest drawing. Who is Diamond Whipper Young, and why is she so inspiring to so many people? That's what we want to know. Ooh, that is a bio, right? There. <laughs> I, I want to know what it feels like to have a Guinness World Record. When I was a kid, I tried to figure out what I could do. Did you have that goal? Honestly, I did not have that goal. This definitely took me by surprise the whole process. But what I will say is about a year ago, I did manifest in my journal. I said, I want to be on the world stage. It just kept coming to me. I didn't know what I meant by it. But then God let me know what you mean. <laughs> let me break that world record. So. Yo, can you bridge this gap for me, Diamond? A degree in advertising or the road to advertising gets somehow skewed with art. Where did it happen? How did it happen? Okay, so let me be very honest. I am a artist by trade and by heart. So I was raised in Baltimore. I went to art school for middle school, high school. I was on my way to Temple because they had such a great art program. And then um, financial aid said psych. So I really only left art because it was too expensive, the art school. So I went to advertising with an art direction, which is the closest I could get to art without art. And then I worked in marketing a little bit, doing creative direction, creative strategy. And I fell in love with education and teaching art. It was something I always wanted to do, but people talked me out of it like, oh, teachers this, kids this. But now I'm in it. I love it because I'm childish. So it's like sitting around and talking to you're teaching them, but I get to have fun. What has it been like then with the pandemic and being an arts educator? How have you been able to facilitate Facilitate that creatively. <laughs> we go on scavenger hunts. We do collages. You have toilet rolls, magazines. We collect wow. found things. But I really pivot more so in my classes, teaching them about artistic careers. And I teach at a charter school in West Philly, Independence um, Charter School West, and majority of my students are Black. So not only do I teach them about careers, I teach them about people who look like them. Like, look at the filmmakers who made Soul and all these cool things. So it's like, 
if you really want to do it, you can do it. I first heard your story. There was actually a CNN report. So what has <laughs> that been like? Because I'm sure it's amazing as well with the additional press that the Franklin Institute is receiving, you and the exposure. What has that been like for you? Because I know for Philadelphia, that's huge for us and it's exciting. It's so funny. I mean, I had my freak moment attack when I got the opportunity. So that is when I like really tripped out. The crazy part is it's articles in other languages about me that I can't read. So like, <laughs> like different languages. Like you wanted to be article. on the world stage. There, yeah. exactly, exactly. So that's the cool part that came from CNN. But um, how it came about, when I say this opportunity was meant for me, I mean, seriously, someone who I love so much now, her name is Lauren, who created the Crayola exhibition. I didn't know her at the time. She literally slid in my DMs. Yes. It was like, I have a big opportunity for you. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm thinking a mural. She's like, it's really big. I'm like, okay, I used to work with the mural arts program. So I'm like, okay, I've got this. And then she calls me and she tells me what the opportunity is. I was like, oh girl, I didn't know what you're talking about that big, but I'm still in. And literally this is Monday night. We click so well that she's like, all right, boom, I'm gonna pitch you. By Tuesday, the next day, she calls me on FaceTime while I'm in class and she's like, mute the students, girl, you got it. And I'm like screaming in class. By Tuesday afternoon, I was on a call with Franklin Crayola and everyone at the exhibition and it was on go. It happened literally within under 24 hours. And then and they were like- people who may not know, explain what the opportunity was, oh, okay, what we did. so let's break it down. Break it down. <laughs> I worked with Crayola and the Franklin <laughs> <laughs> Institute for exhibition coming to Philly that's here. It's the world premiere of the exhibition called Idea Works. Go check it out. It's so amazing for families all ages. And they wanted an artist to break the world record. And they chose me to break the world record. The largest drawing by one individual. And I beat it at 6,500 square feet. Wow. You so excited. Especially <laughs> the Franklin Institute is a celebrated museum. It's leading the way with science and technology. So this is just so exciting to be a part of. I want you to talk about, and I know you know this as an implant. You and I are both Philly implants in a way. Mm -hmm. Philly doesn't really understand how dope they are sometimes, right? A lot of times outsiders have to be the one to tell you. So I want you to break down why Philly is an art city. Come on now, Laia is talking yes, facts. Philly is so rich in arts and culture. I think they're so spoiled that they don't know. I what say that they all the time. Have. Yes. Like you can walk down the street and it'll be like, oh, this famous person lived right next door to you. When I moved to Philly, I found out my ancestors, my name is Diamond Whipper Young. This guy named William Whipper owned a house in South Philly. He was one of the first black millionaires. And I'm like, yes, the richness of the culture from everybody who comes out of Philly, you could tell how Philly is built up. So Diamond, speak a little bit then about your work with the mural arts program. <laughs> I was a little chickadee. I was fresh to Philly and I was like, oh my God, all these murals. I was like, who's making them? I have to be a part of it. So long story short, I ended up working with Amber Arts' amazing artist collective under the mural arts program. I interned with them under specifically Arnell Martinez. Arnell, yes, he was a part of our family. So I 
worked with him and I worked on the 76ers murals near South Philly. So that's how I got into the mural arts project. Even though the pandemic and everything's going on, you can take tours, you can see these different Mm. murals with your family in your own vehicle or participate with limited groups and making sure you're physically distancing Mm. to go to so many diverse neighborhoods within our region to see these world-class murals. It's like an outdoor museum. Also, because you went into the advertising part reluctantly as your major, but however, I feel like now that you're partnering up with all these major brands, can you describe how that background helped you in your business of an artist? God always knew what he was doing with my life (laughs) because I needed to go to advertising to become the artist I am today. Because one thing I'm really, really passionate about is connecting creatives to the world of business. So when I was in school, I was a president of this club, the art of business and the business of art. I think it's so important for creatives. Of course, keep what's intimate and sacred to you, sacred to you. But if you wanna be an artist, get out there, network, talk to brands, know how to do your revenue and all these marketing and brand partnerships that they're not teaching you in art school. Mm -mm. They're just not. They're teaching you the technique. But once you graduate, it's like, all right, now what? So I think that all of my tools that I've gained in advertising and marketing not only helps me navigate the world, but it also helps me give tips to other artists and realize why it's so important is this day and age everybody is multifaceted so a lot of hustling Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it is so you have a world record what are you doing next Basking in it, no seriously. But, um, no, you honestly, do. You're allowed. Yeah, the um, attitude is gratitude, honey. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Especially <laughs> at this time, we need to focus on celebrating things. That's right. Yeah. Rachel, you just saying the attitude is gratitude, just leading me to something right. that. Right now, I've something in my life shifted right before I got this opportunity was just to literally go with my flow and go with my ease mm. and joy. And when I do that, I always am moving in the right direction. So as soon as I promised myself that, the opportunity literally fell in my lap. Right now, what I'm doing, I do a lot of commissions and custom artworks, but now I'm focusing on a series and I really, really want to emphasize Black joy. I feel like every time we talk about like the Black experience, there's so much trauma to it. Well, I just feel like we deserve to relax and bask in what we have done and trust that everything we do will flow into where we Mm. are supposed to be. I love that. So that's something that I'm really passionate about right now. What amazing perspective. We should mention that Diamond is a visual artist, but the sculptures, girl, people don't even imagine they can own, first of all, you know, people don't imagine they can even own a sculpture. So, yeah. You know, sculpting is really my first, how I fell in love because I'm so childish, I'm so tactile and it's like playing with Play-Doh. So it was so therapeutic. What started this series that I wanted to do Black Joy is years ago, seven now, oh, I'm getting older. But um, I was, up, in, <laughs> but I was in high school and seven I- Seven years. Stop it, y'all, Whoa. I know I'm a baby, stop. Okay. Show off. <laughs> but um, right. I made this like, two foot tall twerking sculpture oh, oh with a guy and a girl yes yes girl it, I saw it that. is my you know, like, 
You know what I mean? Enjoy, and I just want to really like get into a series of like black people enjoying themselves. So the series that I speak of hopefully will be very much in 3Ds. The Black Joy. Oh, yay. Diamond, you should do a garden, a sculpture garden. <gasps> Why y'all read in my mind like that? All right, I'm yelling. Let me calm down. My goal is to create this series and to have a rooftop sculpture garden. I want to have a showing. I didn't want to drop this bomb on y'all, but the sculptures are going to be dances. This is how we do it. But it's I'm done. All cool. from different. So I'm going to put the I'm soldier done. bear like you. Like, Yo, keep this us posted. Should I say my Instagram so yes. for the folks? Drop it. For the good folks. All right. So my name is Diamond. That's two Y's. D-Y-Y-M-O-N-D-W-Y. It's a mouthful, but that's me. I'm at the point where if you Google me, <laughs> you can usually find all of my stuff. So I say that to say I got a name, but it's only my name, so you only find me. Diamond, D-Y-Y-M-O-N-D, whipper, like whippersnapper, hyphen young. Thanks so much, Diamond. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Y'all energy is just everything. Two phenomenal women to kick off Women's History Month in Philadelphia. Most definitely. Make sure you go to the Franklin Institute to see their new exhibit. And I would also say Grant Boulevard, check out that shop. There's plenty of fabulous things and also online. That's what I was doing. I was like, let me see how many of my ducats I can put over here in Grant. And then I want to get my art game up. So yeah, Diamond, I'm a sculpture. Yes. Of yourself dancing. Twerking. 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 Wait for that, friends. And while you're at it, tell your friends about us. Tell them about Love yeah. and Grit. And if you're not subscribed, make sure you get subscribed. And we'd really appreciate it if you left a rating and a review. It means a lot to us. We'll yeah, talk to you next you time. Yes. Yeah. Only if you're going to say something nice. Always.